Welcome to the Num One Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the timeless journey from no one to number one. I'm your host, Jake Shannon. All right, we are live. It is the number one podcast. I am your host, Coach Jake. It is, uh, let me get some lighting on this situation, man. There we go. That's a little better. So uh, it's Friday. Hope you guys are good, man. Hope you guys are good. <clears throat> so uh, it's been a crazy week, man. I have had one hell of a busy week. Last night, I was up in Fort Collins at Feisty Spirits, F-E-I-S-T-Y, spirits.com. Check them out. It's um, the uh, oldest distillery in Fort Collins, Colorado, northern Colorado. It is also, I think they have won maybe the most awards. Fantastic. High, high-end uh, whiskey. So if you're a whiskey drinker, highly recommend. Check them out. Feisty Spirits, F-E-I-S-T-Y Spirits. If they're not in your state, you could just hit them up and talk to them. I think that the way the liquor laws work, if I understand it right, you have to have somebody with a liquor license. That So you have to go to like a bar or a... Um, a liquor store and have them contact feisty and then ship it out there. I, you might be able to buy it direct. I don't know. It's all weird uh, about shipping this shit over state lines and, and that kind of stuff. So anyway, I hope you guys are doing good today. The weather is nice. Um, yeah, man, crazy. I'm always hustling. Dude. <laughs> like I literally jumped off the podcast yesterday. I had to get on. I was like 10 minutes late cause I stayed on uh, dicking around on the podcast too much yesterday, but had a good time. Uh, unfortunately for you guys on, uh, Apple and, um, Apple podcasts and Spotify, I didn't get it uploaded. Sorry. You're going to have to go to the YouTube. You guys, if you're interested, you could go to, uh, this is the number one podcast. N O numeral one N O one. If you want to see any of these old shows, simply go to N O one dot ninja. Yes, that's a real URL. Number one ninja. I don't know. I couldn't. Number one.com was taken. Some dick just squatting on it. Uh, but that is my brand now. Officially, number one. Love it. Name of this podcast. Number one podcasting. My uh, coaching programs for Thales are going to be branded around that. Uh, it's fitting because Thales was number one. He was the first of the seven sages of ancient Greece. He was the first to... Um, I think it was by Aristotle's reckoning to do scientific reasoning. He was the first to come up with like geometric, uh, some sort of geometric proof. Uh, first guy to come up with an options contract, a derivatives contract. First derivatives trainer. Uh, fantastic. Well, I, I guess he's probably my favorite philosopher. I'm going to have to maybe put Nietzsche right up there. But today, uh, so, you know, I talk about, <laughs> okay. So, I'm obsessed with wrestling, okay? All of it. Amateur, folk style, freestyle. Uh, hey, what's up, Kaiju? Ooh, studying Japanese. Hence, Kaiju. I get it, I get it, man. Uh, itadakimasu. I know a few words. Ichini, sanshi, goruku, sish, hachikuju. I know, like, judo shit. That's about it. Uh, and a few other terms. I had some uh, Japanese wrestlers teach me some Dirty words, Iku and Ushidi, oh, Oshidi, 
and uh, I can't remember, Omanku. <laughs> That's definitely uh, not good language. Uh, <laughs> my, my Japanese uh, people will know what I'm saying. So anyway, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think, you know, so I, the, I've been talking for like two weeks now. I guess it's the, the, maybe the third week I've been doing this. I've been talking about this signature talk I'm trying to put together. I still haven't hammered it out. And I'm exploring it with you guys, so I appreciate you guys. I hope this is a value. If this is a value to you, you know, and you enjoy this podcast, please leave me a comment, give me a shout out, give me a number one. Like I think I'm gonna take that little finger emoji like this. That's gonna be mine. So um, I have a couple emojis that I've stolen. I've made them mine. You could do the same thing. Uh, just post them all the time. Like uh, that little pin. You know, it looks just like a mace bell. I put it on all my shit. Uh, or I take a brain and the wrestlers, and that's scientific wrestling. Uh, but for number one, it's going to be this little finger emoji thing. So give me a give me a number one sometime in the, in the chat. I'd appreciate it. Uh, but, you know, I, this talk is called Wrestling with Greatness, and it's talking about a couple of things. It's talking about the wrestling business, about the lessons I've learned in wrestling, in business, and what I think applies, yeah, there you go, number one. Yeah, thank you, sir. Thank you, I like it. You're number one. Uh, so, um, yeah, so it's it's wrestling with greatness, okay? And I've been pounding out these five pillars that I've laid down, right? Um, you can go list of my other shows. I'm not going to go over and over. The first pillar I talk about is getting real. Hey, what's up, Gil? What's up, brother? Good to see you, man. So the first pillar I talk about in this Wrestling with Greatness signature talk that I'm working on is this idea of getting real, okay? So I want to talk today about, you know, we all hear like, oh, he has a healthy skepticism. Well, I want to know, like, what is, what does that mean? Let's unpack that a little bit, okay? Yo, brother. So let's unpack that. And if there's a healthy skepticism, does that imply that there's such a thing as unhealthy skepticism, okay? And to me, this fits in with the first pillar, which is about getting real, dealing with reality, facts. But what does that actually mean? That is, this is something that philosophers have uh, debated for thousands and thousands of years. We know the allegory of Plato's cave, right? That how do we know that, you know, it's like the matrix, right? How do we know what is actually real and are our senses fooling us? And there is some of that, right? I mean, magicians, uh, stage magicians prey on that, right? Like prestidigitation and stuff. So um, what is a healthy skepticism? I want to discuss that briefly. I can't stay long. I've got a meeting, a hard stop at two o'clock mountain time. So I'm only going to be on here 40 minutes. This talk could go on for hours because this is a very, very heady subject. But I think it's one that is crucial because it's the first, is part of the first pillar in, in greatness of, of what I'm talking about in wrestling with greatness. Okay. So the first pillar, get real. Okay. Get real. Some people that's rock bottom, right? Rock bottom is reality kicking you in the ass. If, if, if you don't know, right. Let's say you got a bad addiction or a habit. Okay. Let's just call it a fucking habit. Let's stop making excuses and medicalizing behavior. You've got a very bad habit, drugs, sex, gambling, um, something that is unhealthy, okay? Um, maybe you're a bully. 
Maybe, um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the food you eat. Maybe you have a bad habit, okay? So rock bottom or reality is going to be when you lose your job because your your habit is fucking with you that much, right? The, uh, the uh, rock bottom, if you have uh, bad habits with food, high cholesterol, uh, high, I don't know what it could be. Too much salt, too much fat, too much sugar. Maybe you're drinking your calories. Um, smoking. Start getting spots in your lungs or a rattle in your lungs and you can't get rid of it. That's reality. Okay? It's that which doesn't go away. I, I got to find that Philip K. Dick quote about reality. It's so great. Um it's, something, it's like that which, when you stop thinking about it, doesn't go away. And that's reality. I love that because there is a certain thing. Like if you walk off a cliff without a parachute or some other assistance, you will, and it's a high cliff, you're going to injure yourself or kill yourself. These are real. Um, risks. Okay. That in, goes on to, I think, the third pillar, which is... Uh, uh, taking risks, calculated risks. You've got to know what is real so you can make the best decision possible. But what is real, right? Because, you know, sometimes what is real for one person is not real for another person. Now, there are some things that we can agree on. Walking out into busy traffic will kill you. I think that's real. I think we can agree on that, right? Like getting hit by a bus going 60 miles an hour and you're just a normal human, 99% of the time is going to kill you. Falling out of a jet airplane without a parachute at 10,000 feet, 99% of the time is going to kill you. Okay. That's reality. Being in outer space without a spacesuit will kill you. That's reality. Okay. Um, having your head severed from your body, that will kill you. Okay. That's reality. You can't, there, to a certain extent, there's things that you can't deny. Okay. So I think there is a common sense as to what that is. Things we can share with each other, the things we've seen with other people. Now, I don't want to get too deep into this idea of, of in philosophy, what's known as solipsism, which is this slippery slope of saying, well, how do I know any of you are real? How do I know I'm not just a brain in a vault and this is the matrix and some simulation and I don't really have a... Okay, I don't want to get too crazy because, I mean, some very smart people like Elon Musk think that we might live in a simulation. That might be true at a certain extent, okay? But I will tell you this, as far as I can understand, if we're in a video game, uh, in the parlance of gamers, I got three kids, so I got I know all this shit. I don't play video games. Um, I used to when I was a kid, but I don't anymore. Um but if this is a video game, as far as I know, and maybe reincarnation, I do think there's some evidence for reincarnation. But as far as I know, you don't get to respawn. Or if you do respond, uh, you don't remember most times. Okay? So it's like finite. It's done. So let's say that we are in a video game or we're not. But that's a, a parameter of the game in which we are playing <laughs> right now. So there are certain parameters, whether or not reality is real or not. So we could still just do away with that and say, don't step in front of a bus. Don't walk off a cliff. Simple. I know. Right. But when does, so, so 
where does skepticism come in? Skepticism is this idea, you know, I think there's guys like David Hume. So I know this is all fucking heady and nerdy to you probably, but these are guys who have thought seriously about thought, thought seriously about reality. Thinking about thought is known in philosophy as epistemology, okay? Just fancy and core terms to describe what I'm talking about. Thinking about reality is either ontology or metaphysics, okay? Ethics is thinking about moral behavior, right? So there's all these different kind of branches of, of philosophy, right? But what I'm talking about right now is that, that, that place that the overlap of the Venn diagrams, the two circles of epistemology and ontology, metaphysics and what we know, the theory of knowledge. How do we know what we know? Okay. So now this is interesting, right? Because we only know based on the devices we can use to measure. And that is largely our senses, the ones that we know of. There might be senses that we're not aware of. We have to be open to that idea, right? Gut feelings, maybe some psychic shit. I don't know. I'm just being like open-minded. And this is what I want to talk about, right? This idea of a healthy skepticism. I think a healthy skepticism is open-minded, not dogmatic. Okay. Dogmatic is like this way and the only way and even if evidence comes contrary, it goes against the belief system. And so I think that the, the measuring tools that we have, our eyes, our nose, our ears, our skin, um, the sense of taste, you know, all the senses, the five senses, and maybe there's more, okay? Maybe there's some evidence that maybe there's an electromagnetic sense. We know that this exists. In birds, that's how they know north and south and when to fly and how they fly in formation and things of that nature, okay? So there very well could be more senses, senses than what we are currently aware of. And sometimes it might take more sensitivity. You'd find like yogis talk about um, subtle bodies or energies that they become aware of through intense meditation. Now, Maybe they're self-fulfilling prophecies. Maybe they're created. We don't know. The only way we can know things, this is where science comes in, right? I named my company Scientific Wrestling. And there's a reason why I named it that. It's a, it's a great term for catch as catch can. Most people, which is the great granddaddy of amateur wrestling, Olympic wrestling, submission wrestling, and theatrical pro wrestling. All of those have a, 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 a root, a similar uh, uh, progenitor, a, a predecessor, an ancestor, and that is the sport of catch-as-catch-can wrestling, which I am known as uh, for bringing back, okay, the sport of it and the techniques and codifying as much information and, and knowledge from the old-timers that know and making it relevant for today's game, okay? But I called it scientific wrestling because I'm a wrestling nerd, and I was like, holy shit, I love this catch-as-catch-can stuff. They call it scientific wrestling. I love science. I'm going to put them together, okay? So let's talk about, I believe that science, real science now, there's a lot of people that claim real science, 
because they use scientific sounding language. That's not science unless there's evidence and repeatable proof. Like you can repeat the processes, okay, to prove your point. That's the root of science. But let's define those terms. Let's unpack them for just a moment, okay? Healthy skepticism. Let's talk about terms. Skepticism is something that was is really associated with David Hume, and it is this idea, and, and other philosophers, Descartes, right? I think, therefore, I am. He would doubt. He would try to radically doubt everything and see if he, that would help him understand the world he lived in better, okay? So, so this idea of doubting is tied into skepticism. So is there a healthy type of doubt? Is there a healthy way to doubt? Right? Yes. So Gil popped in with a comment, the scientific method applied to, to catch wrestling. To, yes, to grappling in general, right? That's why I like it because it implies there's a technical, beautiful, difficult, not easy to learn. It's something that's knowledge-based, that's knowledge -based, but expressed through the human body in physical combat under certain parameters and rules. No poking in the eyes or grabbing somebody's balls or any of that bullshit. Like these agreed-upon rules, but then go to town outside of the, once those parameters are set, right? And then applying the science to it. And science... Okay, so let's let's talk first about science and then we'll talk about doubt and the relationship between the two. So science is, you know, everybody hears this term scientific method. Okay, now you must differentiate between scientific method and scientific language. Okay, so let me give you like uh, something that sounds scientific. Okay, schizophrenia. Oh man, it's got Greek and fucking, I've never heard that term schizophrenia the problem is is there is no so typically in medical science the way you establish an illness is through something known as somatic pathology okay there was a a, a philosopher of medicine Rudolf Virchow V-I-R-C-H-O-W Yes, he's a hero of mine, totally fucking obscure, whatever. He's the guy who came up with um, um, this idea of somatic pathology. And that is, don't, unless I could see it under a microscope, I could see it on a blood panel, some sort of chemical test, actual chemical test. I get a sample, it produces a certain result, and I, that has predictable value. Um, or there's a lesion. Okay, now a lesion in medical terms... Now something that is so something like schizophrenia it is a it is a word that is used to describe a certain kind of behavior there's no science per se there's a lot of people that would argue and a lot of people in psychology that would argue with me okay and have argued with me for years on this i am following a chain of science that is evidence based starting with Rudolf Virchow, going up in at least through psychiatry and psychology into Thomas Zaz and a handful of other people that are scientists that believe what I believe, okay? I'm not saying I'm right. Now, this is where skepticism, a healthy skepticism, open-mindedness, I think, is important. 
Because everything should, in my opinion, should be based on evidence. And what evidence is, is something that I could see and you could see and we can both agree. We may be call it different things. You may be from, uh, uh, I don't know, you might be from Mexico and I could be from America and you call a hamburguesa and I call it a hamburger and it's the same fucking thing. There's a piece of evidence there no matter what we call it, Okay. Um, this is all rather technical and, and maybe, but I think it's crucially important. These are things that are not taught in our schools in a real way. And I think they're important. So, um, for example, if you go into, and this is shown, you can find this on YouTube. Um, a lot of these people have been skeptical of the claims of psychiatry. In fact, there was a big scandal in, uh, a couple years ago when the DSM-4 was going to become the DSM-5. That's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. There's no statistics in there. Just a bunch of fucking words used to label behavior and then bill insurance for it, okay? It's the argument against it. It is scientism, not science. Scientism is when you use inkhorn terms or prestige jargon or something that sounds scientific to try to convince people that something is scientific when indeed it's not. It's pseudoscience, Okay wrapped in scientific sounding language. Um, I hate to break it to you, but most of psychology is fucking bullshit. Okay? I think there's some usefulness in putting labels on behavior. I think there's some usefulness in using these as handles from which to communicate, but I think there are some real liabilities and problems with that. Okay, I think we end up medicalizing things that are not medical in the first place. And so we think a pill can solve these problems of life. I'm not saying people don't have problems. People have problems. But how do you solve the problem? Getting them hopped up on serotonin blockers? I don't think so. Okay, uh, putting them on um, anti-anxiety meds or, or uh, Adderall, which is basically cocaine. I don't, I don't think those are real solutions to problems. I think they um, muffle the problem. And then the problem festers and grows. And now you have a couple problems. Now maybe you have a dependency on a drug because you haven't solved the problem. Now, this is something that Thomas Zaz used to love to say from the Greek, or from the, the Latin, I'm sorry. Qui bono? Qui bono? Who benefits? Who benefits? From this, could it be our angelic, wonderful, innocent, never do anything wrong, big pharma? <laughs> yes. Okay. So um, if you look at the money made on this and you look at it as maybe as pseudoscience and a scam, it's pretty outrageous. Okay. So science is looking for evidence and for repeatable things. And the reason I say psychology is bullshit you can look up this very fascinating uh, subject. Uh, uh, Dr. Ioannidis out of uh, Stanford, massive epidemiologist, brilliant man, fucking genius statistician, another one of my heroes, has written about something called the replication crisis in science. In particular, a replication crisis in psychology is the worst. Okay, but many, many fields. And the point is, is oh, 
a vast majority, I don't have the number off the top of my head, but Google it. There's a Wikipedia page. There's all kinds of information. You can read Dr. Ian's original articles. They're up for free, I believe. Uh, there's tons of uh, podcasts with him on this subject and others. This isn't, uh, this is not, this is something that you don't see on the news because qui bono, who pays the news? Every other commercial is about some pharmaceutical where families are at a picnic, it's a beautiful, and then there's a voiceover, may cause bleeding from your anus, and, you know, your left eye will liquefy, but, you know, ask your doctor if this stupid drug is for you, right? <laughs> so, um, thank God they have to make those disclaimers, but people are on all these drugs and then wondering why they're all fucked up and unhealthy, okay? Um, the replication si uh, crisis in science is real. It's a real fucking problem. People cannot replicate a particular psychology. So when you hear somebody saying, I saw today somebody saying like, oh, well, studies in psychology say that, you know, you should be listening to classical music and not rap music. And I'm like, boom, bullshit. Right off the top, I'm like, okay, now I can have a skepticism because there's absolutely no verifiable, repeatable, a replication crisis in the subject this person is talking about. I am not going to stop listening to fucking rap music because some stupid psychology, because some random joker on Facebook says, psychologists say, rap music. I'm going to tell you something. I consider myself successful by my own terms. Okay, that means in my opinion that I have uh, optionality in my life. I have freedom. I have a healthy, uh, I'm healthy. My family's healthy. Um, I'm able to pursue things that I love, um, without duress, without my consent being abrogated. That's for me, success and happiness. And, um, I listen to a fuck ton of rap music. Okay. Why? I listen, I listen to fucking, uh, rap music because it's the only musical genre that talks about fucking making money and succeeding and, and, you know, fuck the man and all this kind of, I like that. Okay. You don't have to like it. I'm just saying, I, I think it make it, but guess what? I also listen to classical music. Okay. I listen to both of them and I'm not going to buy anybody's bullshit about something just because they say psychologists say, because I know psychology is bullshit because I follow these topics in epistemology and the theory of knowledge. And I know it sounds nerdy, but it's not. It's, I think of it, this is why I used to call my old radio show mental self-defense. Okay. See, oh, see how that ties right back into the wrestling, into scientific wrestling. I do believe that you have to have a healthy skepticism. So, so we've defined, loosely defined science as this notion of evidence-based, verifiable, repeatable experimentation, okay? Evidence and verifiable implies other people can use the recipe and get the same results, okay? Again, this is what I, why I call my company Scientific Wrestling, okay? I think this is why I call my camp the Scientific Wrestling Accelerator Camp because I have people come to my camp and they cannot beat somebody at their gym and they come and hang out with us for a weekend and we show them this repeatable, verifiable stuff and they go back and they smoke everybody at the fucking gym that they're having a problem with. And everybody's like, what the fuck? Did you start taking steroids? What the fuck happened to you, man? 
And it's because of the science that I've been gathering for 20 years in what I'm doing in wrestling. Okay. I've been going and modeling these greats like Billy Robinson, Wade Chowes, Carl Gotch, Gene LaBelle, uh, you know, as many of these, Dick Cardinal, all these different guys that I felt had fantastic knowledge that was not being shared. And that was because of, see, this is another reason why I loved Sakuraba, right? So in science, there is another philosopher, great guy, brilliant guy, Thomas Kuhn, K-U-H-N. He's the one who came up with this idea of anomalies and paradigm shifts. You've, we've all heard that language, especially like you watch X-Files or any of that kind of fucking TV. They love all that bullshit. It's important though, because we get caught up in this, the language, in the paradigm, in like what is, what we think it is, these belief systems, right? So for years, we were caught up in this idea of Newtonian physics because it was brilliant. Isaac Newton was fucking brilliant, by the way. Okay, came up with calculus, came up with optics, came up with physics. Okay, like the one dude. Okay, and he was a fucking virgin. Weird. And he was an alchemist. Okay, so an anomaly himself. But that became so standardized that when the ideas of quantum physics started coming along, which are verified as fucking weird as they are, they've run these experiments so many times because they're so fucking weird and everybody's like, God damn. It's the same thing every time. This is crazy shit. That's verified. Psychology is bullshit though. It's not verified. All these journal articles that make these claims, well, if you like the color blue, it tells you about this and your bullshit. I mean, uh, most of the psychology claims are bullshit. This also unfortunately then trickles up into psychiatry despite the fact that they claim to be medical based. There is no lesion, no no chemical test, no blood test, nothing you could see of schizophrenia. I'm just using that because they love that. That's like the cornerstone. I'm not saying these people don't have fucking something wrong. Probably some sort of stress-induced thing. Um, it could be some sort of uh, neurological damage that goes undiagnosed. Now, something like Lou Gehrig's Alzheimer's, I could see that under a microscope, okay? CTE, I could see uh, pugilistica dementia, I could see that. Those are real. Those are verifiable. Those are repeatable. You can see it. You can figure out how to solve it. I'm not trying to turn people into a monthly cash flow by getting them on pills. Awful pills, by the way. If you look at the, you need to look at these side effects, dude. Oh, I'm depressed. So you're going to take a pill that has suicidality as a fucking, that's antidepressants. You're, you're, where's the fucking logic in that? There, it's, logic is simply non-contradictory thinking. Which is another, it's a part of science, okay? So evidence and non-contradictory thinking are science. So how does this play into like a healthy skepticism, okay? I do think that you have to understand things like anomalies and paradigm shifts. If you study what's known as the history of science, you can see how ideas change, right? First we had Lamarckianism, then we had Darwinism, and now, you know, it's like, Everything kind of changes, right? We had uh, Newtonian physics and quantum physics and relativity and all these other. Knowledge changes over time because we keep continuing to do science, which is evidence and verifiable. Okay? 
So this is why science came from magic and why there's a difference between the two. This isn't necessarily to, to disqualify magic. Again, like I said, um, the scientists came out of the magical tradition. Like I'm talking like not prestidigitation. I'm talking alchemy and these other people had what were The problem is, is they weren't able, they didn't have what's what we call today open source. They weren't sharing their data, Right. Because, for example, the, the alchemists were trying to turn lead into gold. They didn't want to share that because if they had the secret sauce, they'd be wealthy and nobody else would, right? But the problem is, is you can only do so much work. When you start collaborating, you can share data. You can get information faster, right? That's why with scientific wrestling, I've opened it up as a network. And I've tried to add as many people as I can. Because there are going to be innovations. There are going to be things that are important for, for people to update and maintain relevancy in the modern age, right? So, um, I and I swear I'll get to it. And I, I have to because I got to go. I got a meeting, a hard stop it too. But my point here is that when you have a healthy skepticism, loosely, broadly defined, you're applying non-contradictory thinking to repeatable, verifiable evidence. And you're not being dogmatic, meaning there might be updates to the model. There might be a software update. <laughs> okay? Like how quantum physics had to add some really weird shit that we still don't even have any fucking clue what it means, but we know what it is. <laughs> we know the results, but we still can't grasp. Right? The qu quantum refers to physics at a very, very small scale. The same, we know physics at this scale, and this is where Newton's good, okay, at the level at which we exist. But when you shrink down, shit goes fucking weird based on what we understand. And when you go massive, like astrophysics, shit gets weird. That's where you have to start thinking about gravity waves and wormholes and these other crazy concepts. Right? And then you're trying to integrate the micro and the macro and the level at which you're at. And you could just do the best you can. So I believe like a healthy skepticism, I think another nice term for it is maybe a radical agnosticism. And, and, and that means like just not being 100% sure about anything. Let me ask you something. Do you think the moon, that we landed on the moon? Do you believe that we landed on the fucking moon? There are people out there that are dead set that we landed on the moon. There are people out there dead set that we did not land on the moon. And guess where I fall? I have no fucking clue. I don't know. Because I tend to think we did land on the moon. But I could definitely see that there are some problems with that narrative. The way that it's explained, the way that it's shown to us. And that there are some reasons to be skeptical. But... In, without any smoking gun evidence, I'm just going to assume, but it doesn't really matter. Does it really affect me in any way, whether we landed on the moon or not? Not really. Okay. So I tend to believe it. So let's talk about abortion. Is it right or wrong? I, again, I'm radically agnostic. I tend to think like if sometime in the future, we were able to determine that in fact, I do a thought experiment. If we are able to determine that life begins at obsession, that these are conscious beings, 
that, you know, if a heartbeat going through the electrical system and brain, uh, it's alive and it has a life and we're able to somehow really have a firmer, then, then, you know, this is like kind of a genocide. It's a bad thing. I mean, I look, I have a friend, he has a son who has Down syndrome and there are a lot of people to just flat out terminate if they find out they have a kid with Down syndrome. Is that genocide? The Chinese terminate if you're a fucking woman. Look it up, dude. These are the fucking communists, the fucking left uh, idolize. And I'm not saying the right's any better. The right's fucking wacko too. If you don't have the right God, they'll fucking ice you. They'll drop some bombs on you. Okay? So what I'm saying is that I think a healthy skepticism has like room for growth and for the possibility of potentially being wrong. But you're using the best known evidence, not scientific sounding language, facts and evidence. Nothing that's fall under the replication crisis that's going on in science. Okay, fine. Just Google that for me. Replication crisis. Two fucking words. You could spell replication. R-E-P-L-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. Easy, right? Replication crisis. Look it up. This is good for you to look up. Okay? Because when you go to the doctor and they tell you, oh, you have depression, here's this pill. Guess what? Your doctor fucking's out of it. They could be wrong. Did you know that you want to know the first leading cause of death in the United States? I'll just tell you these. I've written them in my book, 2009 book, Anomaly. I wrote a whole book on the idea of anomaly. You can go to mentalselfdefense.com. I'll put that up in the, uh, for people on YouTube and Instagram, or I'm sorry, Instagram, you don't get to see this, but uh, for people on YouTube and uh, Twitter and whatnot, go to mentalselfdefense.com. I have a bunch of my writings up there, including my old book, Anomaly, and I talk about this. Um, I, I won't go too, too far uh, deep down this rabbit hole but uh, just just read about it. Go to, the, go to the website. You can learn more about it. My point is this, is that be open-minded, okay? Look for evidence. Don't be worried about like, am I right or wrong? And I got to beat this person and that. Look for the facts. And the facts are things that are, that don't go away, okay? No matter what kind of language you use to describe it or not, okay? Look for evidence. The things that you can Get with your senses, not just somebody using language, okay? Because language can be very deceptive. And, and, and statistics, what do they say? There's lies, damn lies, and statisticians. Liars, damn liars, and statisticians. You can lie with figures. You can, you can mask the truth in scientific wrapping, but it's not true science. So look up the replication crisis. I think it's truly uh, an important thing. Okay, I think again, an unhealthy to to create that contrast between healthy and unhealthy. I think that uh, an unhealthy skepticism is dogmatism. This leads to things like the Spanish Inquisition, right? Where you just think you're infallible, um, uh, or or you're not open to anything. Oh, that won't work. That's bullshit. Blah, blah, blah. And you don't fucking test it or experiment your own. You know, really, there's also another subtle point here. There's firsthand knowledge. I talk about, about all this in Anomaly. Oh, first leading cause of death is uh, heart disease. Second leading cause of death is cancer. This is the Journal of the American Medical Association. This isn't Alex Jones or something. Third leading cause of death, doctors. 
medical error. And guess what? If you put, they segment out the statistics very nicely to make it third. If you put adverse drug reactions, like the opioid crisis that were doctors prescribing that, uh, I, I hate to say it, kind of looks that way with these uh, people who were the canary down the coal mine on these untested, unverified experimental vaccines. I said it. There's a lot of people dying of heart attacks. There's a lot of weird uh, liver diseases coming up. You can see a lot of these doctors uh, that are concerned about this on Twitter. Um, you know what I mean? So um, if you add adverse drug reactions and medical error, it becomes the number one leading cause of death. And these are scientists. So your responsibility is to understand these things as a human being. Okay? It's your responsibility. Nobody else's. Okay, I mean, maybe in a legal sense, if, if a doctor harms you, you could sue. That's why they have medical malpractice insurance and why it's so expensive because it's used. Okay, but you don't hear about it. You have to look for that information. Now, that's the great thing about the, the internet. If you know what to look for, you can usually find something. But a lot of times you have to first know to look for it in the first place. And that's where a lot of people are missing the bus. And I blame the... The news isn't going to tell you because they're getting, the news is a platform by which to sell you products. Do you understand that? That's what advertising is. I'm not down on it. I'm like, you just got to be aware of it. Okay. So, so the news keeps you entertained in between ads for Zeralto and all these other things that they're, they're pumping on these commercials in between. Pay attention to what are the ads. And you're going to find out where, where you're going to be missing information from the news. And you might need to look that up to have a healthy skepticism. Literally, it will keep you healthy. Okay? The people that are unhealthy are the people that think that they're being skeptical, but they're actually not. They're not looking at repeatable, verifiable evidence. Okay? Well, guys, it is a Friday. Like I said, I got a business meeting here in about five minutes that I got to prep for. Uh, as always, like I said, number one is my new brand. Just like there's 10X, I got number one. Use that little finger emoji. Give me a, a number one hand emoji in the chat. Uh, I would really appreciate that. Um, and if you have any questions, if I can ever be of assistance, I'm just a guy, right? Like, go do your own research. Listen listen to me. Don't listen to me. I don't care. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm trying to be a producer, of uh, social media, not a consumer. So I hope this helps you. If it does, or if I can be of further help, let me know. Um, I am all about hopefully making your life better. That's that's what I've dedicated my life to. Uh, I've got some weird ways of doing it, mostly through uh, business, wrestling, fitness, and philosophy and science, but um, I'm here to help. I appreciate you guys. Have a fantastic weekend. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks. Heart stars, right? It's a whole industry. People pay for that shit. Like, I, it's weird to me, but it's it's a whole thing for people. Okay. Um, I, I don't. I mean, I don't understand how they make so much damn money with it, but clearly there's like crazy demand. What's weird to me is it seems like it's everywhere for free too. So it's like, where's the money coming from? It's the strangest thing to me. Um, anyway. I mean, I, I don't know porn economics, so I'm sure there's an answer to it. Somebody's got an answer to it out there. But, um, you know, money just is an expression of what people value. 
right? So um, the more money you have, the more that you've actually provided something of value to somebody. So, so okay, I'm glad you asked this question. It's a good question. Is there such a thing as passive income? Well, I mean, it depends on how you defer, define the terms passive. Okay, if you want to define passive the way you want to define it, I don't know. Okay, but typically passive income is a concept di- that differentiates itself from earned income. So earned income is you go, I mean, you know, really, it's kind of really a concept that's been firmly created because of taxation uh, and the legal language, right, around it. So, because passive income isn't taxed. Earned income, which is totally fucked up, earned income is taxed. Robert Nozick, brilliant philosopher, rest in peace, uh, Anarchy, State, and Utopia was his big book, has this great passage about the tale of a slave. You can find it on YouTube. And he's like, well, when exactly, at what point are you a slave and not a slave? Like, if 100% of my labor, you know, somebody taking 100% of my labor is slavery, if you take 90% and I get 10% free time, is that slavery? Still sounds shitty, 90% of your day, right? Okay, what about 50%? You only have to do it 50% of the time. Are you any less a slave? I mean, aren't you still a slave by definition, right? At least 50% a slave. Well, taxes are not consensual. In, in I mean, in the same way, slavery is not consensual. I mean, you can resist... I'm not going to be a slave. And then whoosh, they nail you or shoot you or, or fucking genocide your fucking village or your family or whatever if you don't comply. That's not consent. Okay. That's duress. It's the opposite of consent. Um, so is there such thing as passive income? Yeah, there is. Okay. And so typically passive income would be when you have this is interesting how it all interconnects, especially with finance and, and real life living and time. So, you know, earned income is you have a job. And a lot of times that means trading your time and your work. Work is integrated into time. Trading your time for money. But it's not scalable, right? There's only one me and there's only so much time. So, anyway. Now, that's earned income. That would be on your income statement. It's money, cash flow coming in and out. <sighs> Excuse me, I keep sneezing and coughing. All these allergies are getting to me. But earned income is stuff that you see on your income statement. It's transitory. The second you stop working, boom, that income's gone. Okay? Passive income comes from your balance sheet. Balance sheet is not your job. It's not the, the income in the way that, like that. Passive income comes off of your balance sheet because you own something. For example, now, you do have to do some labor with these things. Okay? Most times. For example, let's say you got a highly lucrative gig that doesn't require a lot of work. 
at least in the United States, I, don't, I can't speak to Europe, are car washes. Dude, car washes are fucking money. If you get the right location, you can make a lot of money. I've studied this. I've thought about opening a couple. Um, or vending machines. Okay? Again, location's key. Um, so you own the asset. So you would use, let's say, earned income from your gig, from your day job, and you don't spend it all, so you save some, and then you go and talk to a bank, you say you haven't been an asshole and you got a good credit record, so they feel safe lending to you. So you have enough for a down, and the bank will loan you some, and you buy a bunch of vending machines or you buy a car wash, okay? Now, you own that, and people use it, and all you have to do is go refill the soap dispensers and you know make sure the machines aren't breaking down. Refill the vending machines. Okay? And it just cash flows. That's passive income. Now, there's many ways to do it. You can invest in the stock market. Right? If you buy a large apartment building, passive income. Okay? Now, some of these vehicles, speaking of tax, tax is always and everywhere right now, not in history and not in the future, but right the fuck now where we are, where we live, tax is your biggest expense. Okay? Tax is your biggest expense. So, even on your passive income, you're going to be taxed, say, if you hold your money in, in unless it's inside of something that's tax advantaged, like an IRA or something, but you can't touch it then until you hit a certain age threshold. But stocks and stuff like that, you're going to be taxed on the capital gains and on the, uh, the returns, like dividends or interest. You're going to be taxed on that. Real estate's better. You can do 1031 exchange, keep put, kicking that can down the road. So there's certain things. And this is why guys like Bezos and they know how to use debt. They know how to use equity and they know how they understand the tax code. And they just move shit around because they've got enough money to hire experts to help them to do that. Okay. The information's out there. It's, we live in the fucking information age. If you really want to know, you can go find it. So stop fucking acting like you're a goddamn victim. Okay. This is the greatest time in the, in the history of humankind. To be able to be in control of your fucking life. It really is. There's no reason people should be bitching. Relatively speaking. To what fucking just people a generation ago had to go through. Uh, so Catchman B asks, B1 asks. So should I buy. Should I do this? Or buy semis instead of buy a house? Well I don't know what this is. But if the choice is between. Buying a semi truck. And buying a house. Well I mean. Personally, uh, you know, and they, these are all subjective so that, you know, it's like you got to do the, the calculus on your own based on your own risk tolerance and what you want out of your life. Personally, I'd buy the semis. Why? Semis depreciate. Houses appreciate. Okay, fine. But unless you're going to buy the house and rent it out, then I would say buy the house. Okay. If you're buying the house to live in, I would go with the semis because the semis are going to cash flow. 
And then you can use that to buy assets that cash flow. And you could buy semis and you could hire people to drive them and cash flow. Right? You just got to make sure what you spend is less than what you're bringing in. And then you have positive cash flow and a passive asset. Okay? You could get super passive on all that. You just got to get control. Okay? So let's say you want to run a trucking company. Okay? So instead of using the money to buy a house, you buy a couple trucks. Okay? Well, cool. But just having trucks ain't going to cut it. You're going to have to get clients. And then when you get clients, you're going to have to deliver. So you're going to have to get drivers. And then you're going to have to pay fuel. And then you're going to have to pay maintenance. So you have to figure out, okay, then if you don't want to manage all that, you're going to have to hire somebody to manage them. Do you understand? So that's really why people end up just buying stock. Because they're like, well, listen, I'm just going to let these other motherfuckers do all that work. And they can use my money. And in exchange, they give me a little bit more money than I gave them back. Not a whole lot, but a little bit. Because you're not doing any work. Your money's doing the work. Right? So if I were to re- invest in real estate, which I am invested heavily in real estate, that not that I live in, I would suggest you do that. Because that's what I do. Okay? Um, you know, all these people... I don't I look at things like Bitcoin and I'm like, okay, it's interesting. It's cool. Um, but you know, look at what happened, dude. It was up to seventy thousand and now it's under thirty. The last couple of days it's been teetering around thirty. If you bought in at fifty, you lost twenty on one Bitcoin. That's shit. That's bad. That's not investing, that's losing. So, you know, I would not, to me, the idea of investment is married to this idea of not just a return of the investment, but a return on the investment. So I know I definitely want to, if I'm going to put 50 grand in, I want to get 50 grand back baseline period. Otherwise it's a loss and I'm not interested in doing that. Now, investing comes with risks, so you could do that. I mean, you could invest in a house, which is, you know, real estate is, is very, more millionaires are made through real estate than any other investing vehicle. So it has a great track record. Okay. But that doesn't mean shit won't change. I mean, like, so, uh, you know, my mentor, one of my mentors, I have many, um, and I do try to pick the very best. I'm very picky, dude. If you know me, you know, I know, I don't stand for any bullshit. I'm real, I'm harsh that way. And so for me to pick a mentor means they've gone through the fucking mill. Um, and, you know, Grant Cardone is definitely, I am way deeply, uh, I admire what he's been able to do. And I'm very grateful that he teaches and that he shares. And that's why I teach and share what he does. Why I'm certified by him uh, to teach his methods. Um but that doesn't mean they're not risk-free. So he's very smart. Like he invests heavily in real estate. That's his thing, right? Way heavy in real estate. And I agree with him by and large, okay? But the, you know, what if, let's just do a scenario analysis and shit, like crazy shit happens. So I like the idea of real estate, multifamily 
properties, multifamily unit properties, because we already have 8 billion people and the number keeps going up, okay? So the only thing they aren't making more of is not just time, but land. There's finite time and finite land. And so only so many people, so the value of property should go up, right? Limited supply, increasing demand, price goes up. What if, what, let's do, let's, let's be Alex Jones for a second. What if there is some evil cabal of, of corporate government psychopaths that run the planet and they have in their mind some fucking mass phobia in their, but they control the planet. They control the laws. They control the guns, the jails, uh, all kinds of creepy shit. And what if they want to depopulate? And what if they poison people under the premise of saving them through maybe drinking water or injections or um, poisoning the food, like modifying things? What if? Well, if you apply your economics hat, simple supply and demand curves, the supply of housing is growing slowly, but not at the rate of the demand. While the population is growing, what if the population shrinks? Well, all those units are going to sit empty, right? So there are risks and you have to think about these things and weigh them against your own personal worldview. But everything is a bet. This is really, I think, what you know, 20th century physics really brought in is the probabilistic nature of reality. And it just... Concession. Probability was designed to help gamblers. That's origi- the, origi- the first uh, people who developed probability were gamblers hundreds of years ago. Okay? Then they began to realize, oh, well, shit, this applies statistically to all kinds of stuff. And boom, now we got physics and all these other wonderful things. Okay? But life is a bet. Okay? But the clock is ticking. So what are you going to do with that? Memento mori. Remember death. Pick your purpose and your passion. And seriously break down how you're going to reach that goal. Reverse engineer it. If you need my help, man, I'm here to help. That's what I do. Help people reach their goals. Appreciate you guys. Have a wonderful weekend. I will see you on Monday. Take care.